0: You're listening to Boss Ladies and Babies with Mickey and Megan, two best friends adventuring through motherhood, building our careers, and and not not losing losing our shit.
1: Welcome back to Boss
0: Ladies and Babies. This is Mickey. And this is Megan. I don't know why I just yelled that. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) We're apart
1: for a week, and like I forget how to podcast, and it's super weird, but we're back together
0: and ready to go. Yes. So, um, let's get this episode going and dive on into our highs and lows. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, let's see. So,
1: my high um just happened on Saturday. So, I mean, this is a pretty big deal. We had two people stop by our house, not in our house, mind you, outside of our house, <laughs> lots <laughs> of distance between us, but Um, My mom's boyfriend dropped off like a saw that used to be his dad's for Mikey. So um, he got a new saw and we like talked to him for a little bit out in our backyard as the kids were playing and stuff. We're like, no hugs. Kids don't (laughs) touch him. Like, we got to (laughs) stay away, but you can say hi. Um, And then shortly thereafter, um, I just I just had like a lot of highs this weekend. I finally finished um, Piper's teacher's embroidery order. I've been doing like sweatshirts for his baseball team. Um, finally finished it even like with my machine breaking and everything so I was so excited about that and he came by to pick them up and so we like put them in a box on the porch but he pulled in and we like stood outside and he brought his girlfriend so um we were all four just like it just must look so weird but everyone else is going through it right now but like standing in our driveway like across the driveway from each other but we just like stood there talking I might have been, like, a little drunk because I was so (laughs) excited, I guess, to have, like, another human to talk to. And I, like, made a great dinner that night, so whatever. But we just stood out there talking to them for probably, like, half an hour or something, just about everything. Um, So it was nice to have some social interaction and just, like, talk to someone who's not my husband or my children in real life. It was amazing. A little embarrassing because we got inside <laughs> and Mike's like, oh, so you're a little drunk. <laughs> like, like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, you seem like a little bit drunk talky out there. <laughs> like, whatever. I was just excited. No one has to know except for yeah. everyone listening right now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was super fun. So that was exciting. Highlight seeing some real faces for once. Um,
0: I'm so jealous.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like, I highly recommend it. You can stay real far. We, you know, live out in the county, so there's a lot of room to, like, be spread out. But um, it still, like, made me nervous. I'm like, he's touching the box that I just touched. I hope that that's okay. But, um, yeah, so that was fun. My low, my freaking low is just, like, the entire last week plus. Um, I just, yeah, my back disc issue is flared up again and I just hate feeling like a broken record like oh my back hurts but it's like pain I deal with all day every single day and it hurts to move like I can't bend down to put pants on I can't like it hurts I mean and I have to do the things especially like when I'm home for the week without Mike when he's working like I have to do all this stuff so I don't get to just like sit and ice it and get better I've been trying but um but yeah, I just had like a huge breakdown last week. And um, like I, my mom had asked for help for me to come help her with some like moving stuff. And um, I just, I'm, I'm not a big, a good, good at saying no to people, Mm -hmm. especially when I want to like, I'm such a giving person. And I had, I just had like a complete mental and physical breakdown. And I was like, I can't, one the quarantine but besides that I'm like I can't I'm not gonna be able to get in a car and drive for the foreseeable future I can't do anything I'm just in pain all day every day I can't go to the I don't feel comfortable going to the doctor I know if I go to a normal doctor all they're gonna do is like send me home with pills which pain is killers, not gonna yeah. help I'm like I don't need pain kills painkillers like that's not my problem my chiropractor is like social distancing of course which is great for him but I finally like Facebook message him like so like this is back and it's been back for a while like what can I do and hopefully um when things start reopening I can get in there but it's just like I've just been feeling really down about it and helpless and just like trapped in a awful body (laughs) it's just it's been like a real bummer but um but I've yeah, switched to icing because I was doing some heat for a while. Like, you Google one thing and it tells you, and then you try whatever. Yeah. But um, I've been sitting at icing, which has been helping a lot. And then now Mike is home, and he's going to be um, – he works every other week, but he's taken that middle week where he would be working vacation. So he's home for the next three weeks. I will have a lot of help, and he's really good about making me, like, sit and relax and not overdo it. So hopefully –
0: yeah, hopefully, I'll be getting better soon. But yeah. Yeah. you should um, reach out to Kalani, our last guest, and see if there's some essential oils that can help with the yeah. pain, too. I mean, that yeah. might be something.
1: Yeah, I am, like, willing to try everything. I, I worked out today, <laughs> like, big nice. deal. And, but, I mean, I, like, did some back exercises, but I was, like, on the floor, like, doing these, like, crunches, and I'm like, oh, my God, why is my whole body shaking? My husband's like, because your muscles are worked to their limit, and you've done two. Like, maybe we need to, like, get it some shape. So, hopefully doing, you know, some strength stuff I know will help, like, support floor yeah. and all that, so...
0: I'm sorry you're going through that. It's like we're already trapped inside, and then to feel mm-hmm. trapped in your body. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm glad you're feeling a little better, and yeah. I can see your beautiful face. And yeah, and I'm sorry <laughs> that you're dealing with that. That's got to be a really awful feeling. So yeah. hang in there. Keep hanging in. Thanks. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to switch gears with my highs and lows. Um, I My high is TikTok. <laughs> just
1: <laughs> as a whole. just Say no more.
0: <laughs> and I know that you can appreciate this because I live for your TikTok videos. Even with your back being out, you've been able cool. to make some really good content. So. Oh, thank you. <laughs> good job. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, I was like... Okay. So classic. What's TikTok? Oh, TikTok is so overwhelming. Oh, it's for kids. Oh, I'm never going to do that. Like I love Instagram. I love, like I love Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to even look at TikTok. Okay. (laughs) I'm bored, bored in the house and I'm in the house. (laughs) I'm going to look at TikTok. Oh, so this is what it's all about. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay. You know, what? I'm going to make a video. Um, And I saved it to my drafts. Never going to show anybody. I'm going to make another one. Hey, this is actually pretty funny. I'm going to publish this. And then I couldn't stop. I think I published like seven videos in three days. (laughs) And I just, I kid you not, when I'm extremely bored, I sit there and watch my own videos and crack up. (laughs) I just think I'm hilarious. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so that's been uh, really fun and entertaining. And it's like, there's this whole thing. If you haven't converted yet, I'm sure you will soon. It's like this whole millennials are bored in quarantine and taking over the Gen Z territory. And like, yeah, we. I've just been having so much fun. And I just uh, uh, Instagram who, you know, like mm-hmm. I just am obsessed so high or low i mean it could be both truly (laughs) (laughs) it
1: yeah i feel like tiktok right now is just the most like wholesome empowering place like Mm -hmm. half the videos are like oh we're girls with no makeup on and we know that we're like look way different with makeup on let's show the transformation or we're just like we don't care we're home and we're drunk and this is life and it's so yeah it just puts oh so relatable oh my god in such a good mood and it's really funny we are Mike and I both have TikTok. He hasn't done his own videos yet, but now it's taken over. And we just, like, we have been sitting next to each other on the couch watching TikToks for hours <laughs> together at night. And I'm like, why don't we at least watch them together? But we've been getting notifications all day that you've posted a video, but it's ones that we've already seen. I think it's because oh. I, I hadn't liked it.
0: Mm. Sorry. Yeah, I don't what?
1: Know, I know. Me. I don't know how I, I didn't. Movies. I think I was, like, watching it and then just, like, kept scrolling to go back to see if he'd made more or something but we got like five notifications just my phone like keeps reminding me and Mike. so we're like oh make it post a new video let's see it like oh it's not new yet okay wait oh <laughs> we're like so excited about it it's
0: so fun so if you haven't checked it out like you don't have to make videos you probably will but okay. check it out because it's so fun um, my low is okay I have I haven't seen another person, right, at all, and I get why my retired neighbors have always like, oh, hi, how's it going, what What are you doing, what are you doing today, <laughs> because I am now also like that, <laughs> um, and I'm just, you know, as you've heard from previous episodes, or if you're just now tuning in, and you know anything about me, I, I'm like, don't handle germs and situations like this well, so I'm just like, so... Just like freaked out by coronavirus and like, I'm a rule follower. So I'm trying to follow all the rules, like the six feet. The only thing I've been doing to leave the house, no grocery store, nothing. The only thing I've been doing to leave the house is going on walks or runs with my family. And I have no chill anymore. Like no (laughs) chill. I have the stroller and the dog and I'm walking on the sidewalk and a person comes walking by themselves just a one person and I will have to move my stroller and my dog over a curb and get into the bike lane or go into the middle of the road to maintain some distance from these people. And I just let myself get so mad about it. And I've come to the point where I I can't not say something. So recently I've been stopping in the (laughs) middle of the sidewalk. If I'm encountering somebody, I'll just stop and wait to see what they're going to do. They don't move. So then I'm moving. Oh, don't worry. I'll move my stroller and my dog over this curve into the middle of the road so you can have the sidewalk for yourself alone. No problem. <laughs> or if somebody comes up on me, I can't. I'm like, six feet, six feet. I'll start pointing. Where are you going? Which way? Six feet. Like, I have lost my mind. And I can't. I just, I don't have social skills anymore. And I'm just like, <laughs> whatever. Like, I don't know. So... I, you know, I was noticing, like, I'm really letting this get to me. Like, I really got to reel it in a little bit. The other day I was on a walk and this car pulls up and they stop and they roll down their window and they were probably about six feet. And she's like, excuse me, excuse me. Do you know if such and such street is up here? I legit panicked. I didn't know what to do. I was like, uh, uh, "Um, I, I, I don't I don't I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> And oh I just gosh. said You said I that? Said it. it was like, the thought in my mind just came out of my mouth. I was just like, I, I don't want to talk to you. Oh, my God. I, oh. And then she was like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought it would be okay. I, I'm six feet away. And I was like, I just like looked oh forward God. and kept walking and then started hysterically laughing. Like, oh I cannot God. believe that that just happened. Oh, my God. I felt like such a bitch. Like, I did not... Mean to say that I just like panicked, so oh yeah, God. I'll fill it in a little bit. I'm probably giving myself a really tainted reputation in my neighborhood. <laughs> that crazy freak who like, but I mean, come on, people. If you're walking and you see somebody whose hands are fuller than yours, just push over to the side. Yeah, isn't that much to ask? I do it if I'm by myself with Jefe, my dog, just running. I move for people, yeah, anyway. Yeah.
1: I'll have to mail you a shirt that says keep six feet away on the back and then like make a sign to put on the front. That's I'm sorry that that sucks and people are really yeah can be just kind of oblivious but also I I would have given anything to see that I cannot imagine
0: but also do you feel like a little bit like free
1: and empowered having like just
0: spoken your mind and then like going on? I guess kind of like, I mean, it's the stuff we think in our heads, right? That we're too afraid to say out loud. Mm-hmm. I no longer have that filter. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess it felt good, but it also felt like really bitchy and rude. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> like,
1: Oh my God. I can't even imagine that is the funniest thing I ever <laughs> like, Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for
0: that. That's yeah. Cool. Anytime.
1: Don't come up on me. Times like
0: these. But yeah. So I hope you all are doing handling that better than than I am because I know that I'm not handling well. And for the most part, everything else I'm handling pretty well considering, but that it's like, it just, I'm really letting it get to me and I'm not handling it well. So I'm going to work on that this week. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Thank you. So Um, Yeah, now that we got that off our chests, I think we should bring on our guests. I'm really excited for this episode. Um, I think this is good timing for the episode that we have with everything going on with coronavirus and it can be a scary time for a lot of people. Um, so our guest for the show is a postpartum support practitioner and owner of Family Thrive in Olympia. She's passionate about helping families get the most out of their new time with their baby, lots of rest, yummy meals, bonding, and support. She has over 10 years of experience working with families as a social worker, teacher, and postpartum doula. She says there's no question too weird, and we're about to find out. <laughs> Please welcome to the show the strong, talented, and inspirational Christine Romero. Hey, Christine. Hey, how are you? Good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So excited to be here. We're excited to have you. All right. So, why don't we jump right in and have you tell a little bit about yourself to our listeners? Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> my name is
2: Christine Romero, and I own Family Thrive. I'm a postpartum doula in Olympia, Washington. And I also have a background in social work and early childhood education, and I recently completed a lactation specialist program. So, a little bit of everything to serve families in all the different stages of their development. And I've been working with children and families for the past about twelve years, and. Yeah, I'm excited that the path is really just uh, unveiling itself at this point, and it's just exciting.
0: That's awesome. That sounds like such a fun line of work.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's definitely soul work. It, it speaks to a really uh, important part of of my soul. So I love it. Yeah.
0: What got you started in that?
2: So it's interesting. I Used to be a teacher, and I have. To, after I had my son Charlie almost four years ago, I had a really hard postpartum experience. Um, I didn't have a postpartum mood disorder, but I definitely did not have the support I needed around that time. And I went back, I broke my foot two months of his postpartum, and then I had to go back to work three months after he was born. So it was just. A really big uh, adjustment period and lactation was really hard, Um, the identity is totally switched, the hormones and the physical changes, so there was a lot and I didn't feel like I had guidance on what was to come or where I was and uh, creating support and nurturing around that time. Mm -hmm. It was just like, oh I'll figure it out or it'll get better any day now and just had a hard time with it and so We had a big life change, moved to Washington, and we're at the point where I could stay home with Charlie, and the plan was to either go back, go to grad school for teaching, or to start a postpartum doula business, and I was like, I know exactly what I want to do. Let's try this amazing thing out, and so I've been doing it for two and a half years. Wow,
1: that's awesome.
2: Yeah, some people become um, really into the birth, like birth doula work after Mm -hmm. But I was just like, no, that's not that's not my
0: jam at all. Or do you only do postpartum?
2: I only do postpartum. Nice. I've been trained in birth work, but I
0: love to focus on postpartum. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that that was a thing um, until after my daughter was quite a bit older. Um, So, yeah, that's that's really awesome that there are people like you that do that. So thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. So our topic tonight is grief and guilt um, during pregnancy and the postpartum period. So we're really excited to have you join us tonight and talk with us about these really difficult and trying times in motherhood. So thank you so much for for joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you. Uh, I want to first say that I'm the kind of person that says what other people stay quiet about Because either they're nervous to say it or they maybe are embarrassed or ashamed about it. And so I'm the one that raises their hand. I'm like, oh, no, over here in in this corner. And so, um, yeah, the the idea about grief and mourning during pregnancy and postpartum is a really big thing that we don't talk about in our culture. Um, I think we just don't even recognize it to be able to talk about it. And we're led to believe that this is the most blissful, most beautiful, um, most uh, loving time of our lives. And so when we have that idea that we're told, we kind of stuff down the, the guilt and the fear and the sadness around our experiences. So then we don't even let it come up to the surface. Mm-hmm. So I do love talking about the things that other people aren't ready to, to chat about. So, yeah, I'm excited that we get to have this opportunity together.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's we've talked a lot about this on this podcast, but just, you know, with the kind of standard that society has set for new mothers, and if you think that if everything isn't, you know, rainbows and sunshine, and then you're doing something wrong, and you're a bad mom, and nobody, I mean, things are getting better now. People are starting to evolve in what they're talking about, but nobody really tells you, it's okay if you feel some loss or some grief during this time like that, of course, I mean, the fourth trimester, and, you know, nobody even really talks about that and your birth classes and everything leading up that all hits you like a train along with every other change that you had that you have to grieve these losses of what your life was before.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, I talk with and help families through the postpartum planning time and helping them to get a clearer picture about what to expect emotionally and physically. And we do talk about the grief during that pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting to bring it up to folks who are pregnant. And once you voice that, I see their face kind of crumple. And then there's this relief that there's an opportunity to say that out loud and to kind of move through that emotion. And so what I often will see and hear is about the middle of someone's pregnancy, they start to f- feel the grief coming in. And they don't often know that it's grief, but that the loss, um, maybe some sadness, anger, resentment, sometimes that's towards their partner, or maybe they're questioning, like, oh, did I choose the right thing? Or um maybe I'm a bad mom because I'm not into this pregnancy fully. And It's really interesting to have to go through that thought process alone. Um, But I think for people out there who are currently pregnant, that's, yeah, like you said, it's totally normal. Um, It's very, it's a very typical experience. And so when we can recognize, okay, this is normal. This is something that a lot of other people are going through. um, We can then create this almost like um, a window of opportunity to move through those um, that emotion and process those feelings so for people that's the um, the grief can come in with the loss of freedom and ability in their body that they previously had so just not being able to move in previous ways or seeing their partner being able to freely move. Um, and there's not any pain associated to that or discomfort or constant worry. Um, I often hear a lot of people say that they feel like they've become public property or everyone's asking like, oh, <laughs> should you be eating that? Or um, are you sure you want to have a cup of coffee or all of these things? And suddenly like, oh, gosh, my, my body's now, um, everybody has a say in my body or my choices with my body. And so that is, can be part of that, the grief and the loss. That people have experienced. Um, There's also the um, there's also the the loss of for some people the loss of a typical sexual life. Um, Maybe it just feels uncomfortable to engage um, and and I don't know why I'm flubbing. Um, It might be uncomfortable for them to to be physical with their partner to feel sexy or want to be intimate and so there's kind of the loss of your sexual relationship. And that's also not talked about. So just lots of points where people can start to feel that grief and might not know what to do with that.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting to, I I wouldn't have thought to put that word grief to Mm -hmm. all of those emotions that you're going through. Um, Even now I was, you know, like, researching about our topic with you tonight and everything and I mean it it totally struck home with me there that is perfectly worded and definitely describes all of those changes that you're going through that are so I mean can be really like traumatic and definitely life-altering before you even have the baby like, that's the part everyone thinks is going to be such a big emotional deal. But we haven't even got there yet. And you're already going through all these things. That's tough.
2: Yeah, it is tough. And especially if you don't have friends who have been pregnant or had a baby before you, or maybe your family just doesn't talk about it, or they're expecting you to just be so blissed out, then you maybe don't have the space to talk about these tough things. Yeah. And that, So another big time people will start to feel the grief, but it's a, like another um, branch of grief is the end of pregnancy. When people start thinking about the end of the pregnancy, um, that baby's going to be here or side Oh my gosh, everything's going to shift completely. What does that look like? What does my career look like? What are my friendships look like? What are my relationships with families, me- family members look like, um, then there's also this um, this interesting thing where the body and the brain need time to catch up. So you have the baby, and your brain's like, "Oh gosh, I've there's a loss. Like, I'm there's no longer a baby inside of me," mm-hmm. and you almost go through this uh, this mental transformation of like, "Oh, I've lost my baby. Like, your baby's in your arms, but like you're mourning and grieving that very mm-hmm. close togetherness that was experienced," and uh, yeah, a lot of people don't talk about that either because it's like, oh, baby's coming. Aren't you so excited? Mm-hmm. Aren't you? Aren't you and your partner so so blessed about this? And it's like, oh gosh, uh, no, I'm scared <laughs> about the birth, and I don't know yeah. if my body can do this. So there's there's grief in that as well. And we have and the and the important part is then we need to be able to mourn this mm-hmm. if we don't do the mourning, then it just really gets stuck in our body. Um, there's a great book about trauma called the body keeps the score. And, and when these emotional pieces that are, um, I don't want to say high risk, but when they're, they're big emotions, they get stuck in our body and our body remembers and can't process through and get to the next stage. So it's really important to mental health to be able to do the
0: morning. Yeah. I mean, just with pregnancy, you know, you're pregnant for so long that becomes, that's a long time in your life. I mean, I know it's like a blip in retrospect, but nine months that becomes so much of your identity that, you know, it's you with this bump with this baby in your body. And like, for me, I really enjoyed being pregnant and, you know, coming to terms with the fact that like, yes, it's such a mixed basket of emotions because yes, I'm so excited. My baby's going to be here, but also I'm not going to be pregnant anymore. I'm not going to have this moment this stage of my life this person that I am now like who am I going to become I've already said goodbye to the person I was before I was pregnant and I'm going to have to do this again so soon and you know to not know what's coming I mean how do you even how do you even mourn that I mean there's so many things happening
2: yeah yeah that's such a great question um I know for Native, some Native American tribes, they have something called the bless away. And that's this coming together of strong women in that person's life to celebrate that there's going to be the mother that's born as well. So in, in the um, United States culture, we really emphasize the baby shower. And now there's the gender reveal as well. So it's like, let's celebrate these things, but really we need to celebrate the birth of the mother And with the birth of the mother, there's this um, understanding that knowledge will be passed down to that person and that they are really the um, such they play such a pivotal role in the society. And now we're just kind of left aside after baby arrives. And it's the oh, all eyes and hands on baby, which I think is really wonderful. We want to support baby as well. But remembering that this new mother has so many emotional and physical needs. And I think when we can have some kind of mark of the end of pregnancy, like a bless away, we have that closure and that space to feel like, okay, I went through these really big highs and these really big lows and there's closure around that time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That's great. Cause I, I just remember like all through pregnancy, it's like, Oh yeah, you're pregnant. Oh, what are you having? Like there's so much focus on like you the mother person and then once you're like through the birth then it's like you're yesterday's news everyone is there to see the baby um asking about the baby like trying to take care of the baby all that and there's and then you're like if you're trying to breastfeed i just felt like i went from being like the interesting one to like just A milk bag and like it was just all of a sudden just about my body and just all the like technical stuff and there was not a whole lot of the emotional support for all of that that you're going through and and it's like you feel I felt guilty even having those thoughts I'm like yeah I have my baby like what else could you want like I'm fine I am here to you know give them whatever they need to survive and all of that but like, okay, I'm also I'm still here. And I just went through the biggest change of my life. It'd be nice for someone to like, come check on me and ask how I'm doing and how to help me and not just this baby who I mean, who doesn't really know either way, <laughs> as long as their needs are being met, they don't care who it is. But yeah, that's it's a oh, I the end of pregnancy is it's it's a lot. I like that celebration idea. That's beautiful.
2: Yeah, it, yeah. It's it is really a lot. Um, it's very sad to think about how our generations have been robbed of that experience of being fully nurtured, um, fully embraced, and celebrated. And so we don't get that and, because our parents didn't get it, and mm-hmm. their parents, and it just keeps going back and back. And it's been totally wiped out um, and eradicated. And so then we're left. Like, oh, everybody wants to see and, and hold the baby, but who's going to hold me and who's going to feed me? Who's going to tell me that this is okay and um, remind me of all of my strengths? And so that's why the postpartum work that I do is so important to me because it's bringing back those traditions that, um, that were taken away from us and that we need to lay these beautiful pathways and foundations for a really healthy generation that's coming up.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um I've talked about this on here before too, but one thing that was really super helpful for me right after um my daughter was born was a group, a postpartum group, and I don't think that it was run by a postpartum doula, but it was a chance for us to all come together and talk about, you know, these things that seem to be taboo, or you know some of these things, like what we're talking about right now, and that was that was game changing so I can't imagine having like a one on one experience with somebody who specializes in this to kind of help you through all of those things how how life changing that must be
2: yeah i think it's I think it's huge um it's really beautiful to watch um the families that I work with evolve and go from just being so uncertain and not knowing to having more confidence and feeling really validated where they are right now. I think it's just it's so beautiful to see. And I wish I had that experience myself. Um, I wish I had a postpartum doula. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that I had a support group super early on. I wish all those things. And so I think the more we can talk about this, the more other people can know that there's there's another there's another narrative that they can write and we can encourage them to write that. And then they they know, Oh, there, there's another choice. Let me go and find out about that. So that's why I love podcasts that support new
0: families. I think it's wonderful that you have this. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We, we hope that we are helping a lot of people and at least just, you know, making people feel less alone. Um, You know, we've talked about how kind of the the pressure society has put on new moms and we, try to really keep it real on here and try to, you know, bring back the real side of motherhood and just like, you know, reassure people that these things are okay to feel and you're not alone. And we talk about that a lot. And so it's really important for us to have people on here like you who specialize in these things and can help reiterate that fact to women that are listening that, This stuff is okay. It's normal. You're not alone. And there is help. You can find and ask for help. Yeah, totally. Yep. So
2: there's obviously a lot of people know we're in a health crisis right now. If you don't, I don't know how you don't, but (laughs) (laughs) I can't, I can't trick myself into forgetting that there's a health crisis right now. Um, So with COVID-19, it's really interesting because people are experiencing a whole nother interesting layer of grief and loss. Um, It's interesting, like we were saying earlier about the baby shower, like that is our new that's our new celebration into motherhood. It's kind of a lopsided one, but it still is one. So it holds a lot of value for people. Mm -hmm. But that's being taken away by a lot of folks because either they've, um, their baby shower was planned during the stay-at-home order or maybe just before. So they're losing that family connection and the celebration and that entryway into the next period of their pregnancy. So I think a lot of people are feeling loss around that, um, even loss around, okay, so I had in my head that the end of my pregnancy I was going to um, maybe, like, be around friends a lot and family members, and I was going to cook all these meals and go on walks and buy baby stuff or whatever they had in their head that's that vision is totally wiped out and so it's kind of like the loss around this I don't want to say fantasy but this vision they created something that they were getting really excited about and isn't going to happen and so there's there's loss and grief around that that needs to be recognized
0: as well Mm -hmm. not to mention just I mean pregnancy and getting ready to go into labor. I mean, there's so much uncertainty in that. And to look around and the state of the world that you're living in is uncertain as well. I mean, that's got to be just a terrifying feeling that is going to cause a lot of stress and anxiety on top of what you're already feeling normally as, you know, somebody who's pregnant and getting ready to have this gigantic life change.
2: Yeah, completely. I have a friend who is going to have her baby any day now and had planned a hospital birth. Uh, She's a nurse and feels really comfortable in the hospital setting. And she had to very last minute change her birth plan and is going to be birthing at the birth house in Olympia here. But her partner is very emotionally wrapped up in health and safety around COVID-19. They have a toddler as well. And um, just lots of choices they weren't planning to make. And and the way that the birth is shaped now is totally changed. So I think there's also a lot of loss in that. And and uncertainty, um, just all the things that you mentioned, it's definitely on point for people who are going to be starting to birth
0: coming up. or Or maybe they
2: just did recently
0: hmm. Well, and I mean, that is like newly postpartum is probably, I would say the loneliest time of your life. I mean, you don't even know yourself, you feel like you don't even have yourself, right. And, and so to be already so isolated in that time of your life, and then on top of that, to be actually in isolation, I mean, my heart goes out to anybody who's struggling with that right now. I can't even imagine what you're feeling. And I mean, what what could you recommend people do who might be struggling with this right now? Yeah, that's
2: definitely an interesting question to, to answer at this time. It, my answer, if you asked me four weeks ago, would be totally different than what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, people can still create meal trains. From my understanding, what I've read is that COVID-19 can be killed at a certain temperature. So if people are dropping off, say a hot meal, it can be reheated, that family can reheat it before they eat it. So there's some health and safety parameters around that, which I think is nice that they can still get food um, and it can still be healthy or they can still be healthy. Um, There's an app called Marco Polo Mm
0: -hmm. that I think
2: is cool. Um, I've heard people talk about it, setting it up, uh, leaving video, like little videos for the new family that they can watch throughout the day, like just popping in, we're thinking about you. Um, or maybe there's um, like a funny dance or something that you that a kiddo, like a sibling, um, not a sibling, uh, a family member can do. Just something to uplift that person's spirit and let mm-hmm. them know that they're being thought of. Because like you said, it's, it's the most isolating time that I can think of. Um, we are so lucky to be in a community in the Olympia area where there are so many groups and so many resources for new families. And I've noticed a lot of them are turning online. So a lot of the lactation specialists now have uh, telehealth services that are available. So it's nice um, if you know, if someone who's listening and knows of a pregnant person, um, to let them know that there's stuff out there. Like, hey, let me, can I create a list for you or with you? Um, Or can I tag you on somebody's business page and you might be into that? Or letting somebody know of an online support group that's meeting. So we have to just look at things from a different lens, um, a a really solution-oriented focus. It's not how any of us wanted this, and it's not ideal we can still show up for each other and we can still show up for ourselves and our partners during this time.
0: I love that. That's, that is hard. <laughs> so hard to do. Yeah.
2: And I, it, it hurts to know that people are going through this mostly on their own. Cause I always tell families the job you're about to do is the job that was typically done by an entire village. Mm-hmm. And here we are knowing that, that this is an impossible job for one to two people, but they have to go into it and through it and, and survive. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, um,
0: that's the big clincher is knowing that people have to walk this fire alone. Mm -hmm. And Just like grieving that the experiences, you know, how we're kind of talking about, you know, you, the end of your pregnancy, you thought would be this way. I look back to The end of my pregnancy and, you know, our baby moon and then the hospital and my whole family coming to meet my daughter in the hospital and, you know, all the visitors that we would have at our house afterwards. And I mean, I like want to cry just thinking about that right now for people that might be missing out on that experience and um, just, you know, really leaning on your partner that you have there with you. Um, or any, any person that can support you. Um, and, you know, it's gonna get better. And you just have to let go of that, I guess, and, and more than that. And I'm sorry that people are having to go through that. I mean, even just in normal life, there's so many things that, you know, we're finding ourselves grieving in this time. And so just, yeah, I can't, I don't know how to express my heart really goes out to anybody who's feeling those losses right now.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it
0: is a tough one.
2: And I think because this is so much at, in such a short window, they are asked to absorb and um, accommodate. uh, It is creating cultural trauma. Like we're all in that shock and trauma together so, it's a very sensitive time for a pregnant person or a newly postpartumed person. Um, yeah, just continuing to support the people that we know that are pregnant or about to have or just had a baby and um, just checking in with them as much as we can mm-hmm. is really important. So, we've been talking a lot about grief during pregnancy periods in pregnancy. And then there's also the grief that comes up after you've just had your baby. And, like I, talked about earlier briefly that your your brain and your body have need this time to catch up um like you were saying earlier yeah you you're pregnant for so long it's a really long time and you're you've grown accustomed to, to maybe you put your hand on your belly a lot um you feel that firm bump you feel the baby kicking and after you've had your baby it's like oh gosh my belly is really squishy and soft right now that is freaking weird i know that that i had a hard time with that Mm-hmm. Um, even though the baby was in my arms, it's like, that's so bizarre. And, and I had a pregnancy loss before I, um, uh, was, got pregnant with my son. And so it was just a lot of that remembering the loss, um, and that empty, empty feeling that I had and just reminding myself like, okay, I'm here. My body is safe. My baby is safe. My baby's in my arms. And it's uh, just reminding myself that it was okay. Um, that every went, everything went through the way it was supposed to um, and that there was a live birth. So I was just really wrapped up in that a little bit. Um, and so for folks who, yeah, who are grieving that time, I think verbalizing it to a partner or a friend who has given birth. Um, it can be tricky with partners because they're there. They know us the best, mostly better than anybody else, and they probably haven't been through this. And so to voice some of the things we're going through, a good partner, I would hope, can, can create space for that person to voice what they're going through. Um, but it's also really nice to talk with someone who's been through it and can say, oh, yes, I totally know where you're coming from with this one. And that makes perfect sense. So I think, yes, checking with partners and um, good friends who have had babies, I think that can be really healthy. Um, and then it's tough too. Um, every person is going to have a different answer for what they need to, to mourn that um, end of pregnancy. Some people get really into focusing on family photographs or newborn photographs. And that, that's like a nice celebration. And I think it's almost like a, a closing period for people. It's like, okay, let's do these photos. We're gonna, this is the, the new period that we're going to be moving into. So that's going to look different for everyone. And I, if you're pregnant right now and listening, it might be nice to take a pause and think about what would fulfill you for that to, to know that this time has ended and a
0: new time is beginning. Yeah. And, um, back to what you were saying to your point about partners, not being able to necessarily fully understand because they haven't gone through something. I just remember, right. I mean, it was probably the day or the next day after I got home from the hospital, I had to have an unplanned C-section and my labor was pretty traumatic. And I am a planner and I planned for literally everything except for a C-section. I was like, I'm not having a C-section. There's no way it's going to happen. And I, when I got home and I couldn't wear like the pants that I had bought because it hurt, I bought, you know, all these cute, like lounge, postpartum clothes that I was so excited for. And I just remember I had only bought one nightgown that I could easily nurse in. And I crumbled to the ground. My mom was there, thank goodness. But I was just bawling because I only had one nightgown. And it's to my partner. I mean, he did great. And, you know, he did the best that anybody who hadn't experienced something like that possibly could could. He would never understand that I was crying because I only had one nightgown, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, just the thing is, if there is a loss or any kind of, you know, traumatic off what you're expecting event that happens during your labor and into your postpartum time, the smallest little thing can make you completely crumble. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be important that you are prepared to seek the help that you need for that, or at least have a support person in place that can you know force that help on you without you seeking it because you might not know how to at that time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. I think we need permission sometimes as mm-hmm. as parents, someone to say, no, you have permission to pause and go seek what you need. because um, sometimes we think we're just our job is to forge ahead. So I think it's so important that you just said that. Mm
0: -hmm. I do
2: want to jump on what you said, too, about something that might be traumatic. Um, We want to know that we want to be able to identify the differences between normal grief and what is trauma for us. Because sometimes um, those lines can feel a little bit blurred in these experiences. What might be traumatic for you might not be. Uh, what might be traumatic for me and not, might not be traumatic for you. And mm-hmm. so there's the, the normal grief, the loss, the sadness, the frustration around that. And then there's the trauma. And that there are definitely lots of really important things that can be done around the trauma. Um, one that is that has been researched and has such a highly effective rate um, for people who have experienced trauma as an adult is EMDR therapy. Um, And so, when I meet with clients who who talk about feeling traumatized during a birth experience, um, or at the end like a medical emergency during their post their um, birth, I do recommend them to go to EMDR therapists,
0: Mm.
2: so that can be really helpful. And then, um, people who have experienced a pregnancy loss, there might be some trauma around that. Um, Parents who have babies who have NICU stays have higher rates of experiencing. Um, PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder, um, but that usually, they usually aren't able to recognize that because there's a lot of things happening in that that time period of a NICU stay. So just letting people know that um, something that feels like a big wave of grief,
0: but it's compounded by many other emotions could actually be trauma. Mm-hmm. And it's okay, I mean, to like lean into that and admit that you went through something traumatic and it's okay if other people don't find that traumatic. if that's how it feels to you, I mean, then it is, you know, and that's all that really matters. And you need to get that help that you need to be able to be okay and move on from it. Completely. Yes.
2: Um, I have a really good example of that. And I didn't realize how I felt this way until I was talking to a, a birth doula friend, and I was talking about my birth experience, which was the birth experience I wanted. It was a home birth. It was just a few people. Um, It was low key and loving, and the lights were dim, all that stuff. There was music being played, but it was traumatic for me. And I didn't realize that until a couple of years later, because I thought, this was the birth I wanted. This is the birth that I totally envisioned and got, but it was traumatic for me, and so, yeah, I think we don't have to, um, we don't have to create these, um, markers for what it's supposed to look like
0: if there's been a trauma. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you saying that because I think a lot of times, again, with the, just everything that's out there, people are, you know, could think, oh, well, that didn't happen to me. So I guess I didn't have a trauma, you know? Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate that you pointed that out
2: yeah, it's something that I just became aware of myself recently. So I think, yeah, like I said before, if we can, the more we talk about it, the more people can, um, identify with that truth.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: What other kind of, um, changes postpartum could trigger grief besides just the, the actual birth part?
2: That's a really good question. Um, there's relationships shift, partner relationships um, there's a huge, almost like this huge uh, floodgate that's open from the birth. And then it's just wiping out that that deep connection that had been formed during pregnancy and years before between the partner and the birth person. Um, oftentimes, people don't realize that's going to happen. They have this idea in their head that, and this might be true for some people, that um, having a baby is going to bring that couple like like super close together and they're like in it to win it. And statistically, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but statistically divorce rates increase the first five years of a baby's life and happiness levels dramatically decrease. And so that's the reality of what couples are up against. And so there's gonna, they're going to feel that loss of deep connection, that security, um, maybe that their partner was someone who – Um, could show up consistently for things and maybe they would get breakfast in bed on the weekends or that person would bring their car to the car washer, lots of check-ins and physical touch, all that stuff. And suddenly there's a baby and everyone's exhausted and being pulled in 50 different directions and that stuff's not happening anymore. And so there's that loss of what their love used to look like and maybe how they're connecting. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I know it's hard to, um, at least from my perspective, it was hard for me, It's ho- it was hard for me to see it from my husband's side, because when he would say, it's not just your life that changed, my life changed too. And, you know, it's it was so easy for me to be like, your life changed, you don't have milk coming out of your boobs, you don't have the <laughs> scar, your body didn't just go through this, you, blah, 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 all these things that shook my world. I had a really hard time stepping back and thinking, oh, your life really did change a lot too, even down to me changing. I mean, you know, being his partner and a big part of his life. And now I'm completely different and he has all these new worries and responsibilities as well. Um, I think that's important to remember too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Thinking about partners and what they go through. I think that's a big one because I do a lot of my work is checking in with, um, the non birth person and it's, chatting with them about how the the transformation has been for them. And oftentimes they have a lot of grief around going back to work Mm -hmm. because they would love to be home with that new family unit and they would love to be able to support the birth person for longer, but oftentimes they don't have that extended leave um, or maybe they're just kind of, they're in a, a job where that's just not a possibility. Um, so there is grief around that too, and so I think we need to recognize that in um, partners as well. So I'm glad you mentioned that.
0: Yeah, and I I know that he also um, felt bad because there was a lot that he couldn't do to support me at that time as well, um, which then made me feel bad because he felt bad, and I wanted to help him. <laughs> but the never-ending uh, cycle of guilt. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's it's, if we have another child, I will be conscious to remember the fact that it's not just my life that changed because, you know, you went through a lot too.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, and then Mickey, who you had asked about like maybe how other relationships change, or maybe I'm just
1: mm-hmm. thinking
2: that you said that, yeah. <laughs> but, um, if there is an older sibling, there's, in the pregnancy, I, I see a lot of um, people grieve, what is what is this loss gonna look like? I hear a lot of people say, I can't believe I'm doing this to my child. Mm. I can't believe I made the decision to get pregnant and have another baby. What is my love gonna look like? How can I take care of two babies or three, or however many are in the family? Um, and there's a lot of grief around that relationship. Um, as someone who's worked with children for years and years and years, um, there, it is normal for, for young children to regress in their behavior, whether it's they were potty trained and suddenly they're wetting the bed, or they were sleeping solo and now they want to co-sleep, or they're in grade school and they don't want to go to school, or there's stuff that's happening between peers. So it's typical for their behavior to shift, and I often will see parents respond and say, I can't believe you did this. Like I, we messed up. I can't believe we hurt our older child like this. And so those are the realities of life. And there is grief and the changes that have, have naturally occurred. And so it's another one that people don't typically expect until they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so caught off by this.
0: Mm -hmm. That's something I'm really worried about. If we do have another one, like I already internalized that grief and we haven't even decided if that's a thing yet, but it's I've I've had every single one of those thoughts. So yeah. that will be a big one. <laughs>
1: yeah, my, it went. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, um, my kids are a year and a half apart and that was not planned, <laughs> but um, that was probably the hardest part for me was just getting pregnant a lot sooner than I expected. And we were still in the like that honeymoon stage of being a new parent i feel like you know she's she wasn't the newborn part was behind us and it's just this like blissful family time that we're spending with our adorable baby and we're having so much fun and then oh now we're gonna have another one and my body didn't have as much time to bounce back in between as i thought so that pregnancy was a lot less comfortable and, yeah, you worry, like, am I going to be taking away from the other baby? Like, how could I possibly l- have any love left over for another person? Like, my heart is exploding now. How could I love another one as much as I love this one? It it was, yeah, really difficult. And then then we had him and everything is great. And it all works out. And they're, like, best buddies. But, yeah, the emotions I after that, I can't imagine making having to like make that choice like okay now we're going to bring another one in luckily for me it was an accident <laughs> so we didn't have to like go through that cuz that would have been really hard to like figure out the right time and and like pulling the trigger on that
2: mm-hmm. yeah it
1: is tricky to do the expansion part of
2: um of family making and all of the emotions that come up with that all the really
0: big and deep emotions for everybody mhm yeah, i think that um would be a good segue into the second part of this episode which is just the guilt that we feel as parents a lot of the time and I mean that right there you know we would be feeling guilty of taking so many things away from our first child or from you know the way things are. Um, We as moms those of you who are listening we all know that mom guilt is such a real thing. I mean you could sneeze wrong and feel guilty. I mean it's just (laughs) Like what don't we feel guilty about? Um, and so I know Christine, you were saying that this is something you're passionate about. I would love to hear a little bit of your insights on just parenting guilt in general. Yes, parenting guilt
2: is my jam. Um
0: <laughs> I love talking about this because
2: it's stuff def- there's an a big intersection of the of the patriarchy. Um and My feminist roots that I hold very dear. So we're going to get into it and hopefully not offend anybody. That's never my (laughs) intention. But uh, definitely creating an opportunity to look at things a little bit differently than maybe you're viewing it before. And maybe there's like a, oh gosh, that was totally me. And that's how I got caught up in this. So yes, let's do this. I'm excited. (laughs) So um, there... Yes, because we have, we really do have this message of um, a memo about parenting that's been handed down from one generation to another and the norms of parenting also get shaped while we're in it. Um, And then I think our generation of parents have gotten this message that their, their job is to totally encompass and shine this beautiful, loving light on their child constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that our job is to create happiness and comfort no matter what. and that might even mean that we're martyring and reducing our own comfort and health safety, all of that stuff. So that's really intense. that's um, that's a really intense expectation to put on ourselves and to put on other people. And I also don't think it's working for anybody. I don't I know as a, someone who um, has been a teacher for young children, I can certainly say that does not, help the children at all. And it does not create any um, resiliency in them. So let's say it's not working for us. Mm-hmm. How can we change that? Like, how can we identify that this is where we are? And then maybe how can we shift some of that? Um, so I like to bring up the idea that we all we all create, we're all creating this template of what it means to be a good parent from the time that we're born. We get all these messages that, um, Maybe it's something that we see or hear or someone else does. And then so we're kind of categorizing that as good or bad. Um, It's just how the brain works in this black and white way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then so we're accumulating that. And then we're also being cultured or we're um, we're being taught how to behave specifically as women and men. And so I know from my experience and many other women that I know, they were taught how to be a good girl, how to take up as little space as possible, how to please and comfort other people, how to play down their own accomplishments and achievements. Mm -hmm. And so all of that kind of compacted has been this lovely template that we can enter into. And it's actually really interesting. Even if somebody um, is a proclaimed feminist family, they have their baby and statistically, we adopt these very um, gendered roles around nurturing. So Mm -hmm. I I think it's interesting that we even have um, science that backs this experience up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So with all of that, um, it's really important for us to take pause and ask ourselves, what does it look like or what does it mean for me to be a good mom? And what does it mean to be a bad mom. And if someone has a moment to jot this down, this is really helpful because you can start to break apart this narrative that is playing so frequently in the background that you don't even notice it. So you can jot down, okay, what does a good mom look like? What do they say? What do they do? Um, How do they feel? And you can go ahead and do the same thing with um, a bad mom. What does a bad mom say, do, feel, Mm -hmm. act, all of that stuff and that is really powerful because then you can you can start to see maybe where you got your messages from and then you get to make choices around that so we don't have to feel constrained and stuck in this so i can't go out with my friends tonight because i feel guilty because i won't be there for bedtime well why won't you feel why would you feel guilty for not being there for bedtime and then if you can take pause and go through that do an internal check-in it's like okay well. Well, what about what does that have to do with being a good or a bad mom? And maybe your narrative is well, a bad mom, a good mom. Sorry, a good mom is always there to comfort their child, or a good mom is always there um, to make it easier for other people, or a good mom helps with the routine, or whatever is coming up for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have choices to make around that. Um, So I think that can be a really powerful exercise, and um, Brene Brown is. Wonderful. She's one of my role models. She researches shame and guilt, and she talks about um, guilt is healthy. It's like a little signal that pings and says that we're doing something um, wrong that we want to correct. But I actually, I love her so much. And I actually <laughs> disagree with her on that one for this specific conversation because I think it's for parents, I think when they have that guilty feeling, It's not whether something is wrong that they should correct. It's that it's a reminder that we're going against the template that we've created and that we've been taught and that's ingrained in us. And so that's when we have that, that chance to say, to decide, do I want to, do I want to follow this path? Do I want to feel, or do I want to choose to be caught up in this guilt or do I want to choose something different? And I do think that there is, there is a point in guilt where we have to check in with ourselves and ask if it's connected to the good versus bad parenting. Um, and sometimes it's something that we really are being told that it's not aligned with our core value. So just for example, um, maybe you're feeling really flustered with your kiddos and you're yelling a lot and then you're going into that, Oh, I feel so guilty. Um, I don't want to do this. And then you can check in with yourself about that behavior and so that's an opportunity to either remind yourself that all parents have a hard time and it doesn't make you a bad parent or you can check in with yourself and ask what is it that I need to fix here because then you have the opportunity to change behavior if you feel like it's really not aligned with the way you want to behave or show up as a parent and so this is just a really quick briefing of this process. Um, and how we can kind of get really caught up in the good versus bad or um, the guilt of parenting. And uh, I do run workshops that help people, It's like a half a day workshop, and helps people to kind of break through some of these processes um, and then create really strategic plans around the guilt and the decision making. But I think it's really good for people to know that we don't have to just get really stuck in the guilt and think that's who we are and that's just the norm of this experience as a pap, as a
0: parent. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Like that. Ugh. Yeah. That's going to be like, I mean, it's so easy to let that guilt just overcome you and spiral. And then you lose so much time suffering with this guilt that, oh my gosh, I can't wait to sit down and do that. Yeah. Can I give you an
2: example? I just had this total breakthrough a couple weeks ago. Um, I thought I had a good handle on like where I thought uh, my guilt was coming from and like cutting it off. And so I have been guilty for a while being mostly a stay-at-home parent and working part-time and thought like, oh, I'm not happy with this decision. I would like to work full-time. And I just kept pushing myself back into this like, no, you have to stay home with him as long as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't what my soul needed. And I realized that I had this template of like a good parent will give all of their time to their child, even if they're not happy doing it, even if it's not what their soul needs and what um, was being called on them. Like a good parent will stay home um, or at least for me that's what I was like really forcing myself into doing even though forever I was like I'll never stay at home I can't do it so (laughs) yeah it's a process even if you think you've got it it's it's a constant check-in and um viewing the world
1: yeah that the staying home thing um is was a big deal for me too and I'm fortunate to be able to stay home but If you, I mean, we talk about this a lot just in our entire boss, ladies, and babies community. Just if you are giving all of yourself to someone else, then you have nothing left for yourself. And if you are drained, exhausted, I mean, that's going to affect how you're parenting, also. So you could be, you know, doing your best to be there. 24 7 and doing all the things but if you're I mean if your heart's not in it or you're just completely spent then they're gonna feel that too and it's we're it's hard to find the balance but you've got to make sure to take care of yourself first so good for you for you know realizing that you know you have some wants that aren't strictly being home with your kid all the time like Mm -hmm. that's that's a big deal to look inward and find that
0: Yeah. I mean, if it's work or a hobby or, you know, just anything that's going to feed your soul, don't feel guilty about that. I know a lot of our listeners are, you know, entrepreneurs in some way, either run your own business or you work as well as have your babies or, you know, you don't and you feel guilty about that. I mean, just you just have to do this exercise because I think it's going to be game changing for a lot of us. Totally.
2: Yeah. I would be so interested to hear if people go through that process and check in with you.
0: And yeah. See where they're at. Yeah. Maybe we can put it out in our Facebook group. Um, do you have a worksheet or anything that like breaks it down?
2: Um, I have an outline that I use in my workshop that I would be happy to share with you. And it's super basic. It's just a good, versus Mm -hmm. bad but it's a a nice place to land and have
1: reflection
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that would be awesome well
1: speaking of good versus bad parenting (laughs) (laughs) we have a little segment that we love to do on our episodes um called our hot mess moments and we thought we'd give you some time to share a hot mess moment if you have one
2: i was born for this question so uh this is a pretty big deal in my life um because it was yeah it's pretty pretty hard um I fly back and forth with my son maybe once or twice a year solo to the east coast and it's a long it's a long flight um and the last time I was there I think it was yeah maybe it was the last time I was there I was flying back home with him and I already had delayed the flight cause we got zero sleep the night before. And I was like, I'm not going to do like a 6am flight and gotten three hours of sleep. Like hell no. Well, yeah. So I made that executive decision and I, t- and then we got on our flight the fall, the like following day after that. And we had two, we had a layover. So we got to, we got on the plane and they're, they're taking forever to take off. And so we're like 45 minutes into it and we had a really short connection. So we ended up missing our connection. Um, I stood there and cried. I was like, we're, we're not going home yet. And they were like, well, we can, we can book you for tomorrow. I'm like I'm here with a baby on my own, that's not happening. Well, he wasn't a baby, but it feels like when you're in that moment, you feel like they're babies. Mm-hmm. Um, so they ended up getting us another flight like five hours later. So I was like, okay, we can do this. We're going to get home. And my son asked for a smoothie. I'm like, great. You can have any smoothie you want. And he got his fruit smoothie and we're just walking around the airport. And I let him have however much he had, because I come from this mindset of like children will know when they're full and they'll (laughs) stop themselves. And so we finally are about to board on this flight. And, and the, I should also say the flight before, he was having this allergic type reaction, which I was really freaked out about. And it seemed to be okay. So they're calling the family boarding section. And So I've got all my things, all my 20 pieces of carry-on. And he starts making this, like, <laughs> I'm like, are you okay? He's like, I have to go to the, I have to poop. I have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, well, we can't go run to the bathroom. We can't get on the plane right now. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put this diaper on you. So I throw this diaper on him thinking like, okay, he'll poop in the diaper. And so then he's making all these noise, weird noise. I'm like, oh my God, can you breathe? Are you okay? And I pick him up and he vomits all oh down God. the front and back of me. Like we're just oh. covered in so much smoothie puke. Oh <laughs> and I was just stunned. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. It was horrible. <laughs> and they're like, all right. And you have to get on the plane now. Oh, my Cool. <laughs> That's one of my biggest <laughs> hot mess moments. also community building moments so
1: yep. my gosh were they at least like as you were getting on the plane helpful in any way or they're just like, hey puke lady go sit down.
2: <laughs> yeah great yeah puke lady go sit down. Yeah. I like had lost my my ticket in the middle of this whole hectic period but I have to say parents no matter where they're from or, what they look like or how they act or any of that stuff none of it matters because we all speak the language of survival mm-hmm. and in that moment I had my immediate village of parents that I had never met before and people getting on the plane before me a dad pushed our stroller onto the plane and collapsed it people got us like paper towels and bags and all these things that we needed to figure out that moment
1: mm-hmm. and
0: yeah so it was the silver lining.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: I guess traumatized <laughs> puke. Like, smoothie puke isn't the worst kind of puke to be covered in. Could have been worse.
2: <laughs> it could have been worse. It could have been like sitting in his stomach for all day and yeah. getting all extra
0: comedy. Oh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So. Thank you for sharing that. That's- <laughs> so real. Perfect. <laughs> yes.
1: Awesome. Well, did you have anything else that you wanted to share um, with the grief guilt topic before we wrap things up? Uh, I don't have anything for that. Um,
2: I do know that parents need a lot of extra support during this time thinking about how to plan going into um, a birth that they weren't expecting. Expecting or being um, at home without visitors that they weren't planning for that. So I did. I have started to offer digital digital doula services, um, and it's a great place for people to be able to connect with someone who has this background and experience with lactation and all the postpartum emotions and baby care and older sibling behavior, all that stuff. So
0: I'm really excited to be able to offer that to the community now. Yeah, that's great. It's a the new way of things, I guess. So that's great that you can offer that. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, we have a little game that we like to play at the end. That's just a f- few fun questions. And then we'll have you tell everyone where they can find you and, and all of that. But um, if you're ready, we have just I, a few, few fun little questions. Okay. Um, Okay, so number one, you're standing with another mom at the playground and notice her underwear is showing. Do you tell her and what do you say? I don't tell her because I'm sure my underwear also showing and we're both (laughs)
2: struggling together. I feel like we've got it together.
0: The real question is, were you standing six feet apart?
2: Oh, yes, definitely, because we are all on board for this health and safety (laughs) protocol
1: (laughs) okay um number two if you had a 25 hour day but everyone else still only had 24 what would you do with the extra time i would sleep more totally hands down (laughs) nice (laughs) oh yeah nice um okay is there a food that you think is really gross but you make your kid eat because it's good for them
2: Oh, definitely. There's canned pumpkin or squash. I think it's kind of yucky in that form, but I often will add it into smoothies or oatmeal to get them to have more nutrient, like more more vitamins and veggies. So Mm -hmm. I personally would not be down with that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's smart. Um, If you were stranded with your child, what are the three things you'd hope you'd have on hand?
2: An extra set of clothing in case they vomit on you. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely water bottles and a snack. Just keep it super simple. Yeah. The necessities.
1: Okay. And then last, um, what kids show do you wish you could eliminate so that no mom ever has to sit through it again?
2: Oh, my gosh. Blippi. I don't know if you're into blip if you your kids are into blippy oh gosh yeah
1: I'm Wait. done
2: with I'm done with blippy
1: oh that's funny okay yeah. cool.
2: my son knows how to spell blippy now and he can tell people to go to blippy.com to learn more oh, oh my gosh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> I'm like now I'm gonna have to go look that up just to see what
0: it
1: is that's funny
0: Awesome. Keep it away from your kids, though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, do not watch Blippi. Got it. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, you're offering your digital doula care. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you or follow along with what you're doing?
2: So people can check out my website. It's family, F-A-M-I-L-Y, Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, doula, dot com. Family Thrive Doula. Perfect. Okay. So website, and, and then are you on Instagram? I'm on, yes, begrudgingly. I'm on Instagram. I try to make it look like I'm a cool mom, but I'm not.
0: <laughs> Classic Instagram. Yes. That's everyone.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad to know that. So that, at, the handle is at Family Thrive. And then I'm also on Facebook, and that handle is at Family Thrive Doula. And I do a lot of information, and I do Facebook Live sometimes that's a good stuff um I think that's everything yeah that's where I am
0: awesome well make sure you go give her a follow and please don't be afraid to ask for help if you are in a situation where you could use some support um we've talked a lot about this on recent podcasts but asking for help is the first step and it is okay to do so please make sure you do that Um, But other than that, thank you so much for joining us for this episode and we will see you all next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Boss Ladies and Babies. If you like this episode, be sure to rate, review, and leave us some feedback.
1: Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and join the conversation in our Facebook group at Boss Ladies and Babies.
0: And until next time, stay stay bossy. bossy.